0: morning to you, Village Church. If you have your Bible, please open it to Psalm 23. I had this psalm and title picked out weeks before what happened this week, so I guess God's providence is good. Psalm 23. I have experienced great emotional tension this week, like many of you, and like many in our country has, there's been this this great experience of celebrating freedom on one day this week, and then there's the painful and mournful experience of watching violence and injustice unfold right before our eyes on the very land that we celebrated freedom for on the 4th of July, all in the same week. And so as your pastor, I I limp into the pulpit today, really not want to be here, to be honest with you. I'm sad, I'm frustrated, I'm heartbroken about the tragic events in Dallas and Minnesota and Baton Rouge. It's impacted me, I can't lie, I haven't slept well all week. I'm discouraged by the church's failure to be salt and light, to be peacemakers when things fall apart. We don't all share the same point of view about these tragic events, and that's fine. But we can't disengage, and we can't break fellowship. Our country, the country I love, the country that we love, is under a cloud of fear, and the church is needed. Fear hovers over people today, over me, over you. There's fear of civil unrest. There's fear of violence. There's fear of Hillary Clinton, there's fear of police brutality, there's fear of indifference, there's fear of Donald Trump, there's fear of systemic brokenness, there's fear of racial tension. These fears are real for a lot of people. And the cloud of fear has great power. Power to paralyze, power to silence, powers that cripple, powers that blinds, power that divides, and power that leads to violence fear is raining down on our country in Dallas and Minnesota and Baton Rouge for sure and the church can't speak prophetically into this fear if we succumb to the same fear if we walk in the same fear if we surrender to the same fear we can't offer a hope and truth you cannot Many have some come. Many have surrendered. I'm standing under a cloud of fear. Maybe you're standing under a cloud of fear. You know me. I'm honest. You know, that if, you, if you don't know one thing about your pastor, you know I'm honest. And I'm under a cloud of fear. over so the same of the things I just said. And I need freedom. We all need freedom. We want to walk in freedom from fear. Freedom from the fears that, that have us down right now. And so if you, if you will, I ask you to walk with me through Psalm 23. Don't tune me out. Don't, don't brush me off. Stand with me. Stand together as the bride of Christ in this place as we walk through this psalm together. Psalm 23 is a psalm of confidence in the Lord's care over his people in the midst of difficulties. It's a psalm of comfort. It's a psalm of motivation in the spirit of God the Holy Spirit that lives in all of God's people can use it to help us get freedom from fear. To strengthen us not to grow weary in doing good. Weeks like this make you want to grow weary in doing good. So, if you have your Bible, here's God's word. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But do you believe it? Let us pray. Holy Spirit, I call upon you now to move not just in this place but in every congregation in our country you will move in every worship service today you will move you will move Holy Spirit not for our glory but for the glory of the one who is the Savior Jesus you know where we are You know our fears. You know our frustrations. You see what's going on. You know what is needed. I pray that you will help us. Help me. Help our nation. Help your people be the salt and light that we're meant to be. And we can't do that if we too walk in fear. So Holy Spirit, give us freedom today. Freedom from the fear that we have surrendered to. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. This week, the uh, kids and I took uh, Waikita out to dinner to celebrate her, her birthday. Hey. And my, my highly extroverted son, Trayson, who is very different than me, but I love him, I love him, he's different than me. He said, Mommy, can you conquer your fear of animals so we can get a dog? <laughs> Things kids say. You got to love them. But I wish conquering fears was so easy. Especially the fears I just mentioned. Especially those fears that that take deep root in our soul. Those fears are not always easy to, to conquer. But in order for the Christians, in order for the church to corporately and individually walk in freedom from fear, our hearts must have a, a firm grip around who Jesus is for us. If we're going to step out and not succumb and surrender to fear, you've got to have a firm grip and belief of who Jesus is for you at this moment, at this time, not tomorrow, not yesterday, at this moment. If we don't have this firm belief, we won't speak up. We won't engage. We won't listen. We won't sympathize. We won't be salt and light. We won't be peacemakers. Instead, our fear will control us. It will rule us. And in the end, it can't destroy us. Who is Jesus when the world is under a cloud of fear? Who is he? Who is Jesus in the midst of violence and injustice? Who is Jesus as families mourn and grieve the loss of loved ones? Who is he? Who is Jesus as people protest in the streets? Who is Jesus as his people stand on that cloud of fear? Who is he when when rain drops of fear pour down right now? Who is he? He's the umbrella. That's who he is. He's the umbrella in the storm. That's who he is. And if we're not standing under that umbrella, and you can't offer it to people who don't have it. If the church is not standing under Jesus at this moment, you can't offer it, can't offer him to people who don't have it. There's a lot of people that don't have him. And so they succumb to the fear. You have him. Stand under him and offer him to others. He is our umbrella as we stand in the rain drops of fear. Now, umbrella don't stop the rain. It protects you and shelters you from the rain. And that's what Jesus does. He don't stop fear from coming. But he shelters and protects his people in the midst of them. Do you believe it? It means nothing if you don't believe it. You got to believe it. He does this because he is our good shepherd. That's who Jesus is in the midst of the storm. The good shepherd. And that's what David says in verse 1a. Yahweh is my shepherd. Everything he talks about stems from that, those three words, four words. He's my shepherd. He's the shepherd of his people. And his people are those who have faith in him. Those who have been called by his name. That's, those are the ones who belong to Jesus. Those who have saving faith in him. And I want to hear you say, Jesus is my shepherd. That's not loud enough. Say it like you believe it. Jesus is my Thank you. Now I get more screams at Alabama game. Come on. <laughs> He's not simply your shepherd in days past. He's not simply going to be your shepherd in the future. He's your shepherd at this moment. At this time. And you got to believe that. You got to believe that. He was shepherd us through what is currently going on. He shepherds us through our fears because he's our umbrella. Our hearts must have this firm grip, this firm belief that he is that. And he's just not any shepherd, but a good shepherd. And I know it's hard to believe this in times like this. It's hard to believe it when Satan calls seems to reign, when injustice and violence seeks to undo us, when fears pour down without end, Sometimes you just have to say a patient song. Lord, the storms of life are breaking. Faithless fears, our hearts are shaking. Lord, help us. Jesus, help us. And He will help because He's good. That's why He will help. Please understand, Jesus doesn't shepherd us from some distant land or, and far place, He doesn't shepherd us from our office and emails or Facebook or Twitter or phone calls. He's personal. He's a personal shepherd. Just like human shepherds with their shepherds. If you know anything about a human shepherd, you know they're with their sheep. They're not going to let their sheep just go off by themselves. They're there with them. They protect their sheep. They watch over their sheep. They seek the ones that have been lost. They know them. They provide for them. They feed them. They herd and guard and and protect them and tend to them. Sheep who live under the care of a good shepherd have no want for anything. Because they know the shepherd knows what they need, and that shepherd is going to give it to them when they need it. That's what Jesus does. He knows what you need, he's going to give it to you when you need it. He knows what you need right now, but do you believe it? He knows what our country needs right now, but do you believe it? David says, Yahweh is my shepherd. I shall not want. We don't want because Jesus has us. He has you. He has you. He is not dead. He has not given up. He has you. You're in his shepherding care always, even as you stand in the cloud of fear. Please believe that. Please stand in that. David believes it. He has confidence and belief that the care of his shepherd is going to be with him no matter what he goes through. And David knows where his help comes from. See, he experienced restful peace from the care of his shepherd. Restful peace. Yahweh makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. That's restful peace. David knew that he was going to experience the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He knew that, and he was confident that he was going to experience this restful peace. Green pastures and waters of rest. Now, is this peace pie in the sky type peace? Is that what he's talking about? Is is David trying to escape from reality? No, he's not. Is David saying all the days of his life are going to be easy? Is that what he's saying? Is that what those verses mean? Now I'm going to have an easy life, pain free life, struggle free life. No, he's not saying any of that. So, what is he saying then, Pastor? This is what he's saying it means that no matter what David goes through, his life would never be outside the outside of his shepherd. No matter what he goes through, his life would never be outside the outside of his shepherd. And the same is true, true of you. You're never outside the outside of Jesus. Please know that. No matter what we go through, no matter what we experience, no matter what fear cloud we're under, Jesus does not lose sight of you. He hasn't lost sight of you to Mr. Brokenness. He hasn't lost sight of you this week. His eye is on the sparrow all the time. I hope you know Jesus got an eye hawk. I got the eyesight of a golden eagle. If you know anything about a golden eagle, they can see you very far. And that's, kind of, that's how Jesus looks at you. That's his eyesight upon his people. But do you believe it? Or is it just words that mean nothing to you? Let your heart not be troubled. His tender word we hear. Resting on Jesus' goodness. We lose all our doubts and fears. You got to rest on his goodness, your shepherd, your umbrella. And under him there is restful peace. You will experience it. David experienced it. He also experienced another care from his shepherd. As he moves from restful peace, he also taught, experienced restoration. Yahweh gives him restoration of the soul. Yahweh restores my soul. Yahweh restores My soul. You see, David knows there will be times when he wandered away from the shepherd. Have you ever wandered from God? He knows there will be times when he's broken, times when he's wounded, times when he's, he's hurt. He knows there will be times when he's afraid. Remember, Saul tried to kill David several times. I mean, he pursued David, tried to take his life. And remember, David also committed adultery. And yet the Lord did not abandon him. Did Yahweh abandon him when his life was straightened? Did Yahweh abandon him when, when, when David imposed a self inflicted destruction on his own life? Did Yahweh abandon him? No, Yahweh sought him out still. Still sought him out. Still. Sheep wander, sheep get hurt, sheep get frightened, and so do we. And yet we can remain hopeful. Why? Because Jesus does not abandon his sheep. We are not sheep without a shepherd. But sometimes we think that. And it shows in the way we live our life. He has not abandoned us in our affliction. He has not abandoned us in this broken world. He has not abandoned us in our self-inflicted destruction. He is with us. He is with us. It may appear that way. It may even feel that way. Yeah, I felt that way this week. i like, I ain't feeling like Jesus is the shepherd right now. But that's not true. He seeks us out to restore and revive us. Don't let your view of Jesus be determined by the things you see in the world. Don't let your view of Jesus be determined by the tragic events this week. Don't let it. Don't let your fears dictate who you think Jesus is. You're not an abandoned people. We're not sheep without a shepherd. Our shepherd understands what it's like to live in a broken world. He knows from experience. He knows what it's like to be betrayed. He knows what it's like to have a religious system go against you and put you on trial for nothing you didn't do wrong. And then choose someone who deserved death to set him free and to kill you instead. He knows what it's like to have people close to you to say they don't know you when you get in trouble. He knows what it's like. He knows what it's like, people, from personal experience. And that's why he can sympathize with the world and you right now. You don't have a savior who don't know what it means to hurt. You have one who took a knife and took nails for people, and yet in his dying breath he said, Father, forgive them for they not know what they do. That's our Jesus. That's my, my shepherd and your shepherd. And he can sympathize with you, he will walk with you, he will restore you, he will restore our soul. Thirdly, David also experienced guidance from his shepherd. This means David receives counsel and advice from Yahweh. It means Yahweh is leading David towards something, as Jesus leads His sheep towards something. It, it, he leads us to what David says in verse three: Yahweh leads me in paths of righteousness for His name'sake. Yahweh leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. So Jesus molds and shapes the hearts of his sheep to live for him. That's what he's doing in us. He does this so that we will live for him and bring honor to him and for his glory, not our own glory. He leads us down this right path of life, paths of righteousness. And this path of righteousness is God's people walking in his footsteps in this broken world. Do you walk in Jesus' footsteps? Are you Christ to those around you? When people see your post on Facebook, do they see Jesus there? Do they see Christ there? Is Christ in you as you engage other people? Paths of righteousness. Only Christians can walk that path. But do we? For Christ's glory. And guess the what? We don't do that in our own strength. Because we have the Holy Spirit that that lives in us. If Jesus physically walked the streets and roads of our world today, what do you think he was saying? I mean, think about it. If he really walked these streets, lived in your neighborhood, lived in Huntsville, when he looked out. What would he say about our world? I believe he would say what he says in Matthew 36. When Jesus saw the crowd, he had compassion on them because they were harassed, helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then, then you know what he said to his disciples after that? You know what he says to them? The harvest is for but the laborers are few. Pray earnestly to your father of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Who are the laborers that God has sent into his harvest? It ain't Republicans and Democrats. It's the church. And all we laboring? Can't labor if you're afraid. Can't labor if you walk in fear. Part of this labor in the harvest is part of walking down that path. It's been salt and light to this world. It's been peacemakers in this world. Tony Evans, pastor in Dallas, wrote yesterday on an article on the Washington Post. He says, one of the tragedies today is that the church as a whole has not furthered God's light, equity, and love, and principles in our land in order to be positive influence and impact for good in the midst of darkness, fear, and hate. Unless the church, Christians, step forward collectively to fulfill God's given role of influence, the conscience of our culture, our country, we keep sprawling down into the depths of fear and hate. That convicts me. That convicts me. Because the church's hands are not clean. We have a role to play. And so when you think about your response this week to the tragic events, has it been in fear? Have you labored in in righteous ways that, that seek to bring glory to Christ? Did you have compassion? Did I have compassion? Think about our actions, our silence, our social media posts and reposts. Think about our private conversations and ask yourself this one question. Was I a force for good or was I a force for evil? Was I a positive force of good for Christ's glory in my actions? Was I? And we can't be forces for good if we succumb to the same fear, if we surrender to the same fear. Now, we all have fears. We all do. We human beings. But if our fear doesn't have to own us and control us, we can conquer it in Christ, our good shepherd, who cares for us deeply. He gives us this peace, this restoration, and this guidance. And when you wrap your heart around that and live in that, then you can walk in the valley of shadow of death without fear. If you don't believe that, you won't walk. If you don't believe Jesus is with you, if you don't believe he's giving you a peace, if you don't believe he's going to restore you, if you don't believe he is guiding you, you will not walk in the valley of shadow of death without fear. And here's the thing that the enemy has deceived us all of life. It's a shadow of death in the valley. All of life is that. It's hard to see in America because we have a lot of stuff. All of life is a valley of shadow of death. And David says he walks in it without fear. Walks in it without fear. Not because he's better than us. Not because he's smarter than us. Because he's believing in who his shepherd is. Resting in Yahweh. Trusting in Yahweh. Believing in Yahweh. That Yahweh will give him what he needs to get through. The valley of shadow of death are times of deep darkness. Times of personal conflict, hardships, sufferings, and loss. All believers go through the valley of deep darkness. All people go through the valley of deep darkness. We experience it. But here's the thing. Our valleys of deep darkness are not always the same. Our valleys of deep darkness are not always the same. There are valleys of oppression. There are valleys of depression. There are valleys of violence. There are valleys of injustice. There are valleys of isolation, of abuse, of addiction, of racism, of crime, persecutions, and valleys of actual death. And just because you are not in that valley doesn't mean other people ain't. Just because you're not there, just because you never experienced it, doesn't mean the people sitting next to you haven't. That they have. Some people have. Some people have, and some people are still there, and they need Jesus. They need Jesus. They don't need our liberal and conservative politics. They need Jesus. That's who they need. But who are we giving them? Who are we giving them? Listen, if we're not giving them to people, no one else can give it. If we fail, no one else can give it to them. It's our job. It's our calling. It's our right to take the good news of the gospel that speaks into the lives of people and speaks into the culture that we live in. The church has to do that collectively and individually. And if you're scared to suffer, then you ain't going to do it. If you're scared to lose stuff, you ain't going to do it. Remember, Jesus lost his life for you when you were his enemy. Keep that in mind as you operate in this world. He lost his life for you when you were his enemy. Not when you were his friend. You were his enemy. Made into a friend. That's what motivates us. Nothing else. Even though David doesn't name his particular valley, he has boldness and confidence as he walks through it. He has this this bold it's like eerie that he has this type of boldness and constant. i'm like david has to be lying here listen i told you I ain't perfect hey he has to be lying how, how, how can you experience such things without fear how can you say i'm walking through this valley of deep darkness and 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 not be afraid and fear no evil he doesn't lay down in the valley he doesn't run away from it he doesn't deny he's in the valley he doesn't hide in the valley He engages it, and he walks through it without fear, again, because of his shepherd. Because of his shepherd. We can't put Jesus on the shelf when things start to fall apart. The problem is that he was on the shelf when things were going well. That's our problem. Then when things fall apart, we forget, or we put Jesus on the shelf when things were good. That's our problem. We forget him when things are well. Then when things fall apart, we fall into despair. That's the trick of the enemy. See things for what they really are. Yahweh is a good God. But we got to believe that. You got to believe it. So whatever your valley of deep darkness may be today, you got to please know that you can walk through it without fear. Because Jesus is your shepherd. You can deal with it. You can talk about it. You can fight it. You can get through it. All because of who Jesus is. You see, a shadow has two functions. Did you know that? A shadow has two functions. It isn't just a darkness. A shadow is also a covering of safety. Psalm seventeen eighteen says, Keep me as the apple of your eye; hide me in the shadow of your wings, for the wicked who, deceits, who put, from the wicked who do me violence, my daily enemies who surround me. Psalm thirty-six, seven: How precious is your staff, as love, O Lord? The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. Psalm ninety-one, four says, He will cover you with his wings, and under them you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield. Psalm ninety-one, one. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High would abide in the shadow of the Almighty.